Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now it's time to listen to this week's message. It's an honor to be back with you and to be in the pulpit today. What an honor to be able to stand uh, in the midst of the glorious church of God and declare his righteousness and his faithfulness. What an honor. You know, you have that honor to declare his righteousness and faithfulness to those around you in word and in deed. See, we are a part of an unstoppable movement. You got to understand. I have through failures of my own, through doubts of my own, through seasons of despair and darkness and oppression of the enemy of my soul, I have questioned and doubted the victorious nature of God's people at times. The victorious calling even that God had and has for me. But the more you keep Walking with the Lord and seeing His faithfulness, the more the Holy Spirit convinces you time after time that we have the victory, that we are overcomers, that we are a part of an unstoppable move of God Almighty and there is no nation, no demon, there is no devil, there is no circumstance that can stop the church of the Almighty God. The blood-bought church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable. It's like the ancient fathers said that the seed of the church is the, the blood of martyrs. I watched a movie on the plane ride coming back. and It's a movie of the Jesuit priest that went into Japan. And the sufferings and the untold difficulty that they went through but I just looked at that and still said and here is the church still growing still abounding in the power of his might and love of God we cannot be stomped out just like death couldn't stop out our king that there still is always that third day resurrection come on let me preach right now because I'm going to teach here in a moment hallelujah But he is king and he's Lord today. And I'm telling you that just like you see in the book of Revelation, there's the, in the end of days, there's the two witnesses. And all of the world is against two men. But these aren't two ordinary men. These are two men with the covenant of the faithful and living God. And not all the nations and all the resources of the nations can extinguish the two men. Can I tell you that that's the same God that we serve? That all of hell's resources and that can extinguish the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When God puts his favor on you, puts his protection on you, there is nothing that hell and darkness can do. Hallelujah. Though we go through the fire, we come out not smelling like smoke. That what the enemy and people meant for our harm, God just sets it up to be used for our good. We got a different perspective because we have a different God. 
We have the one and true living God. He is alive today. He's alive to your needs. He's alive to your questions. He's alive to your hurts. He is alive in the ministry of the Holy Spirit's going to prevail in hearts and minds and families today. In Jesus' mighty name. So we're going to continue on, Lord willing, these next 40 minutes or so in this series titled Prayer. Prayer. I want to read up front from 1 John 5 beginning in verse 14. As this would be sort of where we conclude and land, Lord willing, at the end of our moments together. So I want to read it up front, allow it to sort of frame the journey we're taking together today. Now this is the confidence. Notice that. There's a lot of things that in the world we live in we can't be confident about. But still as children of the Most High God, we can have confidence in this. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, someone say His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and here's where I want to conclude, and he will give him life. Notice that. And God will give that individual life. Someone say life. Today I want to teach a message, maybe preach, we'll see, titled Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap the gap and I'd like to pray Father in Jesus name you said Lord that those that wait upon you that those that take a posture that is a representation of their faith their trust their desire for you to move on their behalf in their life in their situations that, Lord, they would not be ashamed. That you would show them your salvation and all that it includes. Deliverance and healing and perseverance and preservation. and Strengthening that those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Lord, we wait expecting. For you to move in our hearts and minds, our families, our homes, our careers and callings for your will. I thank you that Jesus Christ is king. He's Lord over the nations. He's purchased it by his blood and his body that was broken. And though all hell and temporary forces and circumstances seem to seek to contradict that reality, Lord, we hold fast to the truth. That the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We say come Lord Jesus for you alone have an unshakable kingdom. An everlasting kingdom. That is truly the hope of the nations. And Lord I pray that it would become the hope of every heart here today. Of every heart of those that are listening. That Holy Spirit you would make much of Jesus. I yield myself to you. As a vessel for you 
to confirm your word with signs and wonders that Christ would be exalted. For this we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Michelle and I were fortunate to be able to celebrate our 15 years of marriage by taking a trip to Europe. One of the cultural differences that stood out to me personally on this trip was their use of the phrase, please mind the gap. Now they didn't say it with the accent that I somehow acquired in the big city of Louisville, Kentucky growing up, but nevertheless, they used this phrase often, please mind the gap. As novices, my wife and I, to the whole city bus transportation thing, and as novices to the whole underground subway thing, I was grateful for the constant reminder from the bus or for the tram Siri, that's what I called it, that constantly reminded us, please mind the gap. Now before you begin to wonder, no, this story does not end with either of us falling off a bus or off a tram. So I don't want to get your hopes up uh, for a funny story. Nevertheless, Michelle, once she was dragging her luggage behind her, I did wonder what was about to happen when she was going full speed towards that gap. But uh, she did it. So I just stood back and said, that's right, she's like Wonder Woman. But I didn't know how it was going to end, but it ended okay. But here's the purpose of the phrase. The purpose of the phrase, please mind the gap, was to bring your attention to the fact that there's a gap between where you're at on the bus and on the tram and where you're stepping to. Here in the States, we would probably say in everyday conversation to another person, let me give you a heads up. Watch your step. See, there is a gap. There's a gap in my life, there's a gap in your life, there's a gap in our life, there's a gap in our local church here at Dwelling Place, and because there is a gap, it is wise to mind the gap. Someone look at your neighbor and tell them, mind the gap. See, there's a gap between where you are and what the Lord has for you. There's a gap between your current behavior and who the Lord has made you be through the new birth. There's a gap between where you are and where you're about to step into. There's a gap between where you are and the storms that are approaching your life. There's a gap between your marriage currently and God's plan for that marriage if you're married today. There's a gap between the idea of justice and the practice of justice. There's a gap between where you are at and where you are going. There's a gap between what you understand now and what you will need to understand to move forward. There's a gap between your skill level and your high calling and God's career that He has for you. Someone say, there is a gap. And because there's a gap, please mind the gap. I have found that God has given us a great method a great opportunity to mind the gap in and through prayer. That it's in and through prayer that we have the ability to mind 
the gap. As I was studying in preparation for this message, I found it interesting that in most, the most used English translations of the Bible, like the King James Version, or the New King James Version, or the NIV, or the NASB, that you do not find the word pray until Genesis 20. That's thousands of years of God's historical record about what took place on the earth from the days of the beginning. That's what Genesis means. Thousands of years of God's historical record of that being written about until you find the word pray show up in Scripture. That astounded me. So here's the question. Was there no prayer then before this event recorded in Genesis 20? See, in Genesis 20 and verse 7 it says, Now therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Was there no prayer before this event recorded in Genesis 20? The answer is, of course, there was prayer. But listen to me. However, what was taking place was not described by Scripture as prayer. In Genesis 3, we read that the Lord called out to Adam and said to him. We read that the Lord God said to the woman Eve, what is, is this you have done? We read in Genesis 3 that God would come down and walk in the cool of the morning with Adam and Eve. Here what you see in Genesis 3 is the Lord calling out to His creation. Calling out to mankind. Calling out to Adam and to Eve. You see the Lord talking to them. Communicating to them. You see the Lord asking questions to them. In Genesis 4 you see Cain and Abel are offering offerings. Offerings that are being sacrificed to God. In Genesis 4, the Lord says to Cain about his offering, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Here you see God talking more to His creation. Here you see God asking more questions. In Genesis 4.26, the scripture says that Seth was born to Enosh. And then men began to call on the name of the Lord. You see here in Genesis 4 that men, many men, many women are now calling upon the name of the Lord. In Genesis 6, God speaks and says to Noah, make yourself an ark for you and your family. Here you see God is still speaking. God is giving commands to be obeyed. Notice that God's commands were not to bring difficulty into the lives of His servants. But his commands were so his servants and the people that followed him would live. That's why Jesus said, my word and commands are not burdensome. It's the path to life. It hit me, I was reading on the trip, on the way there. And I thought about as I looked around at all the nations and people around me. That I'm holding in my hand the absolute answer of how to have a blessed life. A God designed life. That I got right here instructions from Almighty God. So God was speaking even in the early days to people on how to live. In Genesis 8, 
Noah, after the flood, he built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Here you see again men worshiping, responding to God's protection, responding to God's faithfulness in the relationship they have with him. In Genesis 12, the Lord says to Abram, get out of your country. In Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. You see God still speaking to people. Now you see he's speaking to people in visions. In Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, here you see the God appearing to people, revealing himself to people, God encountering his creation. In Genesis 18, the Bible says that Abraham stood still before the Lord. Notice this, that up he, until Genesis 20, there are people that have relationship with God. God is talking to them. He's asking questions to them. They are communicating and talking back to God. People are calling upon the name of the Lord. People are worshiping Him by presenting offerings to Him. People are standing still before God. People are spending time in the presence of Almighty God. And yet, no mention of prayer. Let me be clear up front today that my concern for you, my concern for me, my concern for us, and my concern for this church, my concern is not about the gaps in our life. My focus and concern is not that there's gaps in my life, nor gaps in your life, nor gaps in this church of what God has for me. My concern is the lack of minding the gap. My concern is the lack of having awareness of the gap or the gaps in my life. You having a lack of awareness of the gap in your life. Or us as a local church having a lack of awareness of the gaps in this community. My concern is not the gap. My concern is the lack of awareness. The lack of minding the gap. Alan Wright that... presents what he calls the transformation model. If you get me ever as a teacher in transformation phase, I use his sort of framework as an illustration to help us in understanding the divine design for discipleship and transformation phase. But he has what he calls gapology. And his transformation model begins by saying that every one of us right now has a current reality. A current reality. And then there is awareness. There's an awareness about your current reality. Every one of you is somewhere in your relationship with God. Every one of you has a current reality about your character, about your calling, about where you're at. But then the question is, do we have an awareness about our current reality? And what he presents is that there's a gap between our current reality and our awareness of our current reality. Are you with me? And this is why number one today. We want to mind the gap. And then mind your God. You want to mind your gap. And then mind your God. In fact we uh, don't have the handouts. And that's uh, because of me. So we apologize. But it is there on uh, the Bible app. You version. You can follow along. There it's been loaded in. Or go back and look over this week. But listen to me. Access to God is an invitation to access an awareness of our gaps. Jesus Christ in the cross and Jesus saying, I am the door. 
I am the door for you to have access into the very holy presence of your Creator who longs to be an everlasting, perfect Father to you. Listen, access to God is an invitation to access an awareness of our gaps. Why is this? Because the Bible is clear, God is light. And the psalmist said, it's in His light that we shall see light. It's in His presence, in His light, that we shall see and get clarity and our gaps shall be revealed. And when in God's presence we mind our gaps, we are in the presence of Him that fills our gaps. See, this is why you mind your gap but then you mind your God. It's like the song we sing. It might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by my God. See, this is what healthy believers and mature believers do. Faith is not denial of the reality of gaps in our life. That's lunacy. That's cartoons. That's fantasy. That's mythology. That's irresponsibility. Biblical faith and maturity is that you can mind your gap. But in the presence of minding your gap, you mind your God. That the gap might look big, but I'm surrounded by a bigger God. That the gap might look far and wide and deep, and it might look like that God or me will never be, or God might never help me to be conformed to the image of Christ, but my God is bigger than the gap. He's bigger than the weaknesses of my character. He's bigger than the failures of my past. He's bigger than the marks of rejection and the marks of how people have been used by the enemy to hurt me. I can mind my gap, but then I mind my God, that He's bigger than my gap, that He can fill my gap, that He can take away the evil that's been left in my gaps and can fill it with his goodness in himself. This is biblical faith that we can mind our gap and then mind our God. To be mindful of both. This is healthy tendency, balance, and tension for believers that you can mind the gap where you're at, what God has for you, but you mind your gap in the presence of of binding your God, that He is faithful, that He is greater, that He really did split the Red Sea, that He really did cause water to come out of a rock, that He really did through Jesus heal all that were sick and oppressed of the devil, that He really did cause Jesus to be raised victorious over every sin, over every bondage, over every generational curse, that you can mind your gap, but then mind your God. See, he's a God of grace. God has his ability for the gaps today. God has his influence upon the gaps today. Ephesians 4 states that Jesus descended and then ascended that he might feel all things. Someone say all. That means your gaps. Jesus' crucifixion, His death, His burial and resurrection is for the very purpose that now He can fill all things, He can fill all gaps, He can fill all areas of sin and all areas of character, uh, problems in our life, that He can fill all things with Himself. See, you don't want to mind your gap and then try to fill your gap with your own ability and self. You want to mind your gap 
and then mind your God. That he's got a provision through the finished work of Jesus so that Jesus can fill your gap this morning. He can fill the gaps of this church this morning. He can speak to a person right now that has spiritual gifts that's needed in this local church and they can be here by next month. He can raise up stones to praise him. He can raise up more leaders and more and cause more people to get saved than we could ever imagine. See we can mind the gap but we're going to mind the gap by minding our God that he is well able that he never slumbers nor sleeps that he has all grace and power that's necessary for the journey and what we face ahead. Can I hear an amen? So the issue is not how big is my gap. The issue is not how big your gap is. The issue is not how many gaps are currently in your life. The issue is are you mindful of the gaps when you spend time with your father? And do you invite him to fill the gaps with himself and his will. Now that sounds so simple, but I have found by the thousands in practice, this is not what you normally see of those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. That when they spend time with the Father, they forget to mind the gap and invite him to fill the gap with his Son with his son's character, with his son's power, with his provisions through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Why is this important? Because I have found as an overseer, as a discipler, as a mentor, that we are limited in our time to spend time with the Father. Hello, am I speaking your language? That we have jobs and some of us have spouses and some of us have children and some of us have businesses to oversee and some of us have siblings that we take care of and we have other things that's taking place that God has put upon our plate and therefore our time with the Father. The time I'm talking about is where Jesus said go in into a secret place and close the door. Not time in the car or time in I'm talking about the secret time that only you and the Father know about. That that time is limited. So here's my point. If that time is limited, we need to make sure that we're not just focusing on our wants. Focusing on praying for the next car. Focus on talking to God about the next earthly items. If we have limited time with the Father, we need to make sure that we're minding the gap and then minding our God and asking Him to fill the gap. Come on. See, I found the issue is not... So much how much time some of you spend with the Father. The issue is, is what you're doing with the time you spend with the Father. Some of us are coming to God and we got a list and saying, God, I don't have long, but while I'm here, let me go over. I need this. I desire this. I want this. I need this. Okay, that's all I have for today. Thank you. And we're not... Minding the gap nor asking him to fill the gap with the power of his son Jesus Christ when we're in his manifest presence in the secret place. See, listen, don't just mind your wants because I assure you your bigger need is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So then in Genesis 20, we come to this and it says Abraham journeys and he stays in Gerar and he tells them his wife Sarah is just his sister. The king of Gerar 
says, well, praise the Lord. Actually, he didn't say praise the Lord. He said, praise myself. I'll take her for myself then. Because <laughs> the Bible says she was a beautiful woman. He sins and takes Sarah for himself. Then we pick it up. Follow me. Genesis 20 and verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken. Oh, boy. That's not a good day. Some of you guys just thought you had a new girlfriend. You're about to walk around saying, yeah, I finally got me a girl. And God comes to you in a dream. Uh-oh. I got that, that woman's designated for another man who's praying. And I have her for him. You're about to die. Like, on it, man. I, I, can't get a, I can't get a relationship for nothing. I finally, after 17 years, you know, I'm 71 at this point. Finally got a girl. And God said, you're about to die because the girl, the girl you got's not for you. That's a big gap, but we got a bigger God. He says, you're a dead man because the woman you've taken, for she is a man's wife. Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? It's amazing because this is why politics is very difficult. This is why only king. Jesus can figure out real politics. Here's why. Because what Abimelech's getting at is, will you deal with an individual differently than you'll deal with a nation? See, we don't think like that. We, in politics, we think, who cares if one dies if it saves a nation? But Abimelech's saying, wait a minute, this God who's approaching me, he's a righteous God. You'll deal with me as an individual different than you'll deal with the whole nation? And so he says, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she's my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I've done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes. I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. Watch this. And he will pray. There it is, the first time in Scripture. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, if you don't fix the gap, know that you will surely die, you and all who are yours. Notice what it says. He will pray for you. Isn't it astonishing to think that the first time we find the word pray being mentioned in Scripture, it is concerning a person that we have no record of him having a personal covenant with God, being led by God to ask a person with a personal covenant with God to pray for them. I'll say it again. This is mind-blowing to me. After over 20 years, after 37 years of being around the church, this, is still, this hit me like mind-blowing. It is astonishing to think the first time we find the word pray, being mentioned in Scripture, it is concerning a person we have no record of that person, Abimelech, having any covenant with God, being led to ask a person who has a personal covenant with God to pray for them. God told Abimelech, go ask this person who has a covenant with me to pray for you. Go ask him to mind the gap for you, and if you do it, you shall live. Here's the second point. Minding the gap is a matter of life and death. This was a matter of life and death for Abimelech. Do you know that minding the gap for unbelievers is a matter of life and death for them? That if 
Believers don't mind the gap for them. There's no one else praying and minding the gap for them. There's no one else, not their boss, not their family, not unbelieving friends around them, asking for God to give them mercy and life, to hold back judgment from them. God tells Abimelech, make Abraham aware of the gap. And when he has become aware of the gap, he will pray. Can I tell you that if you're born again follower of Jesus Christ and you're created righteous and holy through the new birth, that when a need from an unbeliever is made aware to you, do you know what we're created to do? We're to mind the gap in prayer. This is our nature. We are people of prayer. We are people that stand minding the gaps of unbelievers who have no covenant with God. They can't ask God to give them life, to give them help by the power of His Spirit in their situation. They have no access to God because they have no covenant with God because they have not received and believed in Jesus Christ, the only door and way to God. And therefore, believers, God has made us through the new birth to have a very nature that when we see unbelievers that have gaps and they're about to get death. They're about to get eternity, eternity separation from God. It's our very nature to mind the gap and to fill it with prayer asking God to give life for them. See the essence of intercession is to mind the gap for another person. The essence of intercession is to mind the gap for another person. And I have found personally and I have found in counseling and mentoring and overseeing and serving wonderful, wonderful children of God and believers that people who have spent time with God minding their gap in their own life more readily reach a place in prayer to mind the gap for another person. I have found that if you as an individual don't learn in your time with the Father to mind your own gap and to ask Him to fill it with all that you need for life and godliness in Christ, then I found that you will very, very, very seldom be led to mind the gap for another person in prayer. I also have sensed such an out of balance in regard to prayer. Let me explain. I have observed what I would consider as an unhealthy amount of request from existing believers to other believers to pray for them. Now, wait a minute. What are you saying, Chad? I thought you just said that intercession is minding the gap for another person. I did. So let me explain. Stay calm. Stay calm. If you are a born-again child of God, you have an everlasting covenant with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. As a child of God, I have an everlasting covenant also with God through Jesus Christ our Lord and happen to function as an overseer in a local church body. Here's my point. You have the same covenant with God the Father that I do. Regardless of how we have been set as members in the body of Christ and regardless how we have different functions, we all have the same covenant with God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. I have no greater right to have God the Father hear and answer my prayers than you do as His child also. Another believer has no greater right to have God the Father hear and answer their prayers for you as you already do. Now here's my point. You have already been given the ability to mind the gaps in your life. And to mind those gaps through prayer to your Father who hears. What I'm saying is, there needs to be less unbelieving believers. So often, 
we ask another brother and sister to pray for something that we already have the authority and access that we could pray to the Father about ourselves, but we do it because we're an unbelieving believer. We don't want to pay the cost to spend time in the Father and to wait patiently until the Holy Spirit in Jesus authors faith in that area that we're facing. So we want to pass the buck and ask another brother and sister to, to do the cost in the secret place to get faith for us. Now here's why this is important. Because we only have limited time with the Father in the secret place. And because we do this, we take people who have spent time to get faith and to mature in God's presence, we're asking them to give up of time that they could be in prayer minding the gap of unbelievers that no one else is praying for, that are on their way to an eternity in hell, that have the enemy of their souls setting curses and setting landmines to destroy their life, to steal from their life, to take their heritage and their family lineage all to the pits of hell. Let there be less children of God who do not know their rights and privileges as child of, children of God. That's the heart of what I'm saying. May the Holy Spirit do such a work in our hearts and minds and our lives that there will be less children of God who do not know their rights and privileges as a child of God. I understand. You know why? You know why we think, and there's nowhere in Scripture it says, it says one will put a thousand, two will put ten thousand. But there's nowhere that says if we'll reach a, a million in an online petition form, then God will finally answer the prayer for that person. Listen to me. You know why we do that? Because we're just hoping one of our brothers and sisters know how to talk to the Father and to, uh, to get him to release on earth what he already longs to release for that individual. Are you with me? What I'm saying is, is every one of you you have spiritual DNA and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be such a person of prayer that you get God to move and to do what He already longs to do because you can ask with confidence certain of His will and His heart for the issues you're talking about. Are you with me? God doesn't want you to stay insecure in your relationship with the Father saying, well, He might hear me, He might not, but I'll try. No, God wants you to be able to boldly enter into His presence knowing that anything you ask in prayer concerning His will, if it's according to His will, you know He hears it and therefore He answers it. See, the unhealthiness I'm speaking about is asking other believers to pray for us in matters that we are already aware of. And as children of God, we already have access to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who is Lord to fill those gaps. See, if I know there's a gap in my life, in my character, in, in, in uh, being skilled, in, in my calling, and my purpose, then there's no need for me to burden another brother and sister to pray about a gap I'm already aware of. I have access to God, and I can talk to the Father, and He will fill that gap with the Son and the provisions of His Son. He'll do it. Other believers are to get involved with other believers when we see something in another brother and sister that they're not aware of. It's when brothers and sisters are not aware of gaps in their life that we as a brother and sister should mind the gap for them. 
But if I'm already mindful of a gap in my life, I don't need to ask you to pray for that gap. I have the same covenant that the person I might ask has, and I can talk to the Father, and He longs to fill it with His grace and goodness in Jesus Christ. See, there are gaps in believers' lives that they are not aware of. And if those who have spiritual eyes and discernment are made aware of such gaps, these are gaps we should pray about. Watch this, asking life to be given in those areas where there are gaps. Gaps that they are not aware of. Here's the thing, I found often when we, in our immaturity, because this, this was me for years, as God begins to grow you in spiritual understanding and discernment and being able to see clearly in the kingdom, and you start seeing gaps in other brothers and sisters, here's the question, do we fill that gap with gossip? Or do we fill that gap with the God who will meet that gap with the provisions of Christ. Listen, God shows you things, or if you see things about other brothers and sisters, and they're not aware of those things, it's not so that you would gossip about those things, it's that you would talk to God the Father to feel and to give life to that brother and sister in areas that they're not clear that they have a gap. Are you with me? And here's the thing, He will give life. He'll give life. He'll give life. So this brings us to 1 John 5.4, our scripture. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if, if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask. See, if we see our brother and sister doing something and they're not aware of the gap, See, sin that leads to death is called willful sin. You read about it in 1 Corinthians 5. You read about it in Acts with Ananias and Sapphira. They died right there before Peter. That was sin leading to death because it was willfully and knowingly and unrepentant. 1 Corinthians 11 says there's many believers who die early because of this. But if we see them and they're doing something that they don't know, you all know those people, right? You know why you all, we all know those people? Because we are those people at different seasons of our life. We don't just know people who are unaware of how obnoxious they are. We are those people at some times. And God says when you see those people who are not mindful of the gap in their life, you can pray and guess what God will do? He's not going to judge them. He's going to give them life. He's going to allow Jesus to meet the root of that very area that caused them to be obnoxious. Their insecurity, their sense of not being accepted. God's going to give them life in Jesus there. Oh, what a good God. He'll give them life. He'll give them healing. He'll give them deliverance. He'll give them grace. He'll give them mercy. He'll give them revelation. See, this, what I'm talking about is the issue regarding what is called the priesthood of all believers. We all, as born-again followers of Jesus Christ, have access to the holy of holies through our faith in Christ. This is what the Apostle Peter affirms. Go with me to 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. Come on, someone say, I'm chosen. A royal priesthood. Someone say, I'm a part of the priesthood. A holy nation. Say, I'm a part of the holy nation. His own special people say, I'm a special person. That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness 
into His marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. See, listen, every born-again follower of Jesus Christ, we are all a part of this royal priesthood. We are all His own special people. And all of this royal priesthood, we do have something that unbelievers do not have. As a part of this royal priesthood, we have something that unbelievers do not have, and that's access to God the Father through Christ our Lord. And what I believe, and the, the goal of this message that I need you to hear if you don't understand anything else, is I believe God wants to see take place on the earth is less believers asking other believers to pray for them when they have the same rights, privileges, and access to God as their fellow brother and sister and Lord. Watch this. And instead, we see more believers being asked by non-believers to pray for them. This is, I believe, what God wants to do in this time. Because as God begins to allow the heavens and the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth to begin to tremble and to begin to shake and all things that can be shaken will be shaken. As God begins to allow those things to be shaken, unbelievers' hearts and minds are going to be shaken more with fear and anxiety and worry as their world begins to crumble and the reality that they're not part of an everlasting kingdom and eternity in their heart gets awakened. And I believe that in this time, God is wanting to lead unbelievers to ask believers to have a covenant with the God who made the sun, who made the stars, who made all things, who's over all things, to pray for them and God's going to give them life and God's going to answer our prayers and the unbelievers are going to be astounded that we are people that are special, that we can talk to the living God and He hears and He moves and He does miracles and people are going to come to faith by the thousands and the tens of thousands because we are not just praying for other believers but unbelievers are being led to ask us to pray for them and we serve a God who from the very beginning of time is the God that hears from uh, heaven and he answers. He's the God that heard Elijah on Mount Carmel and he answered by fire when all of the other false prophets and all of the other false religions people will ask them but their God's not going to answer because he's not the living God. He's not a real God. But when our God answers they're going to say this is the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. And there's going to be a great harvest of people coming to the knowledge of our Savior and our Lord and the wonderful working power of Almighty God Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. As the band comes, I think about how history and many people say that St. Thomas who went to India, he came upon people and their worship of false gods. And he noticed that they would go and make prayer as their custom in the river. And in their offerings and worship of their false gods, they would take the water with their hands and they would throw it up to their God. But it would always come back down. And the record says and the history says that St. Thomas questioned them and said, if you're offering that to your God, well, why doesn't he receive it? Why does it fall back down? He said, see, when I offer something to my God, he hears and he answers. The story says that St. Thomas bent down and he took that water and he offered it in praise unto the only true living God to his son Jesus Christ and when he did the water froze in midair those people came to see that there's one God revealed through Jesus Christ and he alone answers prayer and that they 
come, they came to know Jesus Christ and the gospel got rooted and he planted several churches there in that area in India. You see it all throughout Scripture. There were times in Israel's journey with God that God sought for those who would mind the gap and then stand in the gap before God and the people. There were times where there were people that were born in the nation of Israel, but they weren't really believers. Sort of like our country for many generations where there were people that because they were born in America, they said, I'm a Christian because for a time this was considered a Christian nation. And to, you know, it was just acknowledged I'm a Christian, but they didn't really practice it. You had this in the nation of Israel. And oftentimes they would do things that they didn't understand was against God that would begin to allow the curse and the judgment to come. And in Numbers 16, the children of Israel are murmuring against Moses and Aaron saying, you've killed the people of the Lord because there was just a rebellion by Korah and false leaders and God dealt with it. Now other people are murmuring and complaining and they don't understand what they're doing. They're not really mindful of the gap that they have, that they're murmuring against the one that, that God obviously is using and has led them out of bondage and led them out of oppression and depression. And the Bible says Moses turns to Aaron and says, Oh my gosh, you better run and take a censer and put fire in it from the altar and you better take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. And the Bible says that Aaron took it and he ran and he stood between the dead and the living so that the plague was stopped. This is what I'm telling you. God wants to do that there's people that are not mindful of the gap between them and their creator they're not mindful of the gap that their life is like a vapor but there is an eternity ahead of them and God wants priests that's you and I we're all now a priest we're all now an Aaron like the Old Testament to get the incense of prayer and to run before them before the plague of judgment hits and say God give them life for they know not what they do that we mind the gap for unbelievers God begins to allow streams of mercy, grace, forgiveness to flow through Jesus Christ that was lifted up. And Ezekiel 22, 30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would, would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. This was the reality all of us found ourselves in. Romans 3 says all humanity turned aside and went their own way. And God was looking for a man that would stand in the gap and would ask the God of heaven to give them life for our death and for our transgressions and for our rebellion. But he could find no one that could do it because we all turned aside. We all were deceived. We all chose to be our own king and our own God. But God in his love says, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to do it myself through the mystery of me becoming fully man. And he sent the God man. He sent Jesus. And Jesus said, I'll be mindful of the gap. And I'm going to fill it with God's righteousness. I'm going to fill it with God's heart. I'm going to fill it with God's justice and God's love. And Jesus minded the gap between heaven on earth when he hung on that cross over 2,000 years ago. And he said, here am I minding the gap for you. And he invites all of us now back to our Creator, back to our Father. Though God for a time found no one, He found Jesus. He says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus utterly fulfilled the heart of the Father. He filled the gap with Himself, with His blood and His body that now, whether we're 
Mexican, whether we're African, whether we're American, American Indian, that all nations of all cultures, of all races, the gap can be filled through Jesus Christ, that they can be brought near through the blood of Jesus, that they can have access to the only one true God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and access to Him by the only one Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit of God. You say, what does that mean for us now? Although we couldn't fill the gap in the past because of our own transgressions, now believers are in Jesus. We're now in the one that was able to fill the gap. And now the same Spirit of Jesus lives in you and I to empower us to fill the gap for other unbelievers. To stand and say, God, we're asking, Lord, that they would be held back from from stumbling to the slaughter. God, we're asking that they would be held back, Lord, from following Satan and Lucifer and the fallen angels from an eternity in a place that Jesus said was awful of anguish, that we stand in the gap because we're now in Jesus, the one who stood in the gap for us. And there's an anointing of prayer coming upon you right now in Jesus' name. There's an anointing of prayer upon dwelling place movement in this house. And may you receive the empowerment of the Spirit of Jesus that will anoint you to stand in the gap for unbelievers around you and God will hear from heaven because he desires that all would be saved and none would perish that all would come to the knowledge of the truth that he does not delight in the destruction of the wicked and he will give them life the Holy Spirit will prevail on mountains of bitterness and hard-heartedness and atheism and humanism the Holy Spirit can prevail because God knows how to shake a person down to the very core of who they are that they're a mere frail mortal in need of an eternal God to fill them with His eternal spirit through Jesus Christ. Jesus is empowering us to mind the gap. One of my pastor's father, he had a message that he was known for. It was called the hellbound train. He preached about seats in the hellbound train like a Judas and others in Scripture that forsook the inheritance of the kingdom that was offered to them through Jesus and There is a train, there is a tram right now that people are on and God's Spirit is saying to us, please mind the gap. They don't understand where they're at and the step they're about to take into eternity. Proverbs 24 and 11 says, Deliver those who are drawn towards death. Hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. Please mind the gap. Please allow God to put a a stop to them stumbling and them being drawn towards death and sin and things that destroy their families and their business and their life and their eternity that he would find us in Jesus minding the gap so it starts with you spending time with the father not to give your wish list and checklist but you spend time in the father minding your gap and then minding your God who's going to meet that gap through the provisions of Jesus Christ. He's going to meet it with mercy. He's going to meet it with compassion. He's going to meet it with grace. It doesn't matter how long that gap's been in your life. It doesn't matter how long that dysfunction's been in your life. It doesn't matter how long that dysfunction and gap has been in your lineage that God through Jesus Christ wants to give life. He wants to give healing. He wants to give hope and joy and peace to the gaps in our life. If we will just mind the gap and then mind our God that it might look like you're surrounded by defeat. It might look like you're surrounded by oppression. But be aware that you're actually minded. You're actually surrounded by your almighty Father. A perfect Father. And then remember minding the gap 
is a matter of life and death for other unbelievers. I want us to stand to our feet and begin to mind the gap. I want us with unreserved lips and unreserved hearts to begin to talk to the Father. I want you to take a moment and act like you're in the secret place and begin to say, God, I know there's some things. I'm mindful of these gaps in my life, but I don't want to ignore them. I understand that true biblical faith is that I can mind the gap. I can confess the gap. I can acknowledge the gaps there. But as I mind the gap, I mind my God that you're greater, that you have made provisions through Jesus Christ, that His blood speaks better things, that the anointing can heal my broken dreams and broken hearts. I feel the power of God moving in this place today. I pray God that your spirit will begin to touch people that as they mind their gaps and mind their God you'd bring them to a place of maturity that they would understand in Jesus they are anointed to pray. That they have authority that we're not like mere men. We're not like unbelievers. We have a covenant with the living God and we can stand in the midst of unbelievers and ask God the living God, the compassionate God the God whose mercy is new each morning to give them life, to give them deliverance, that they would be held back from the slaughter to come, that they would be held back from the wrath to come, that they would be held back from an eternity, being separated from a God that loves them and sent Jesus to mind the gap for them. Come on, talk to Him. Worship Him. Hallelujah. Again, thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at www.dwellingplacemovement.org.